Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Great job, Izzy. Thank you very much indeed. How's the uh, summer going? It's going. And uh, because it's the summer, we're encouraging people to change uh, their rhythm. So as a result of that, we're encouraging as many people as we can, particularly hardworking volunteers on a Sunday, uh, to have time off. Particularly, we think of our uh, kids teachers and helpers and our youth uh, helpers and leaders and so on. And we're, we're, we're stripping things back for a season on a Sunday. So this morning's service will be shorter than normal. <laughs> Your reaction gave you away. May the Lord judge you harshly for. They will be shorter for good reason. And uh, we're encouraging all of us to think about not just the celebration part of our church life, but the community aspect of our church's life. And many of you, if Facebook can be uh, believed, have been sharing meals of different kinds. And uh, I hope you've watched the videos that were pushing out a video every Monday morning uh, that talks about a different type of meal that you can share together, either with your immediate family or your neighbors or your small group or your missional community or your friends down the street or whatever it might be. And uh, week five uh, comes out uh, tomorrow. Or is it week four? I don't know. One of them comes out uh, tomorrow. Another kind of meal for us to share together. Taking seriously the way Luke talks about Jesus. Luke talks about the mission of Jesus saying that the Son of Man came eating and drinking. With all the difficult connotations that that has for good Baptist Christians, he came eating and drinking. He came celebrating and feasting and uh, using meals as a particular context for both his mission and uh, discipleship. So, we're thinking uh, very briefly this morning about the meal, because the meal in your home and in mine your, the meal, as we gather in different ways, is a small signpost to the meal, which is, in its way, a small signpost to the meal that we will celebrate at the end of time. Heaven is described as a big banquet, a big feast, a party that gathers things together at the end of time. After all the journeying is over, there is that moment of feasting to be enjoyed. So there's a sense in which every time we share a meal, every time we do this, we are thinking about that, which in turn is thinking about this. You with me? So it's not just a meal. It's a signpost, a moment, a context, an expression. You could even go as far, and I don't mean this with a big S, is to say that a meal is a sacrament, that in the sense of the meal, our ordinary everyday meals, they are moments, sacraments where God chooses to meet us, to work through us and to touch us and to impact our life. So every meal then is an opportunity to look back 
with thanksgiving. If we could have that slide on the screen for a sec, that would be brilliant. Uh, an opportunity to look back with thanksgiving. At the beginning of your meal, you do what? You say grace. Maybe, maybe. And, and, and we call it the grace. Say the grace. Uh, and grace means what? It, it, grace is a gift. Uh, a gift, even we talk about grace being a gift we don't deserve even. So, so the Right at the beginning, we're acknowledging that somehow in this meal, whatever it is, we say the grace. This is a, this is a gift. This is a moment in time when I am, I am checked in my busyness to go, hey, I need a thankful heart. Because this moment is a gift. And it's not just the food, is it? It often, you know, I've often reflected that if all we needed was fuel, we could fill up at a fuel pump. I mean, how romantic would that be? You know, we could take a pill or something. We could swallow something. We could, have, we could put our fingers in something. There could have been a, a myriad ways that we could refuel. But it's so much more than refueling. There's a sense in which we're, we're forced to stop and go, thank you. We look back in thanksgiving. And, and, and maybe we're, we often perhaps thank the cook, rightly so. Uh, and I'm reminded of that, uh, those verses back in Deuteronomy that says sometimes when we, when we prepare a feast, we might be quite in that kind of dinner party-esque way, quite kind of pleased at what we've uh, provided for our guests. Uh, and it says way back in Deuteronomy, at the beginning of, of the people's history, remember it's God himself who gave you the ability to produce wealth. That even what you think you've created yourself is ultimately a gift from the Creator. The food is his, we are reminded. But then the table is his also. And the chairs around the table are his. And the carpet on the floor, if you have one, is his. And the lights are his. And the roof is his. And in fact, the house is his. In fact, it's all his. You know, when your kids say you don't give them very much, just go, Because that's how God goes sometimes. And, And just that, however simple the meal, that pausing to go, hey, thank you. Because all of this is a gift. And of course, in that moment, we mimic this table, which is all about pausing and stopping and going, thank you. Not just for the gift of life, but for the gift of eternal life. Not just for the here and now, but the gift of the hereafter. Not just for the temporal, but for the eternal. It's all a gift. And so we don't just give thanks, we look up in, in worship. And Jesus talked about eagerly design, desiring to have the Passover meal. I, I'm longing to have this moment when we recognize what God has done, when we honor him for who he is. When we stop and say we are utterly dependent upon him. We need him. In very earthly terms, we need him for the food, we need him for the earth and rain, we need him for the very air that we that we breathe, that everything is dependent upon him. And so uh, it was the ordination of God's purpose that we would stop through every single day and be forced, not just to refuel like at a petrol station, but be forced to think about the fact that we're dependent upon him. Every single meal is a reminder that we cannot sustain ourselves. And we clearly needed that. And not only every day, but every week we're supposed to stop as if all the work is done and enjoy a Sabbath to remind ourselves that we're totally dependent upon him. So I guess there are so many 
moments, so many punctuations in life to stop and remember that our tendency might have been to speed up and forget, which is what fast food tries to do. I can refuel without having to stop and pause and remember. I can refuel without having to look around and see who's with me. Meals slow things down, typically. We have to buy it, prepare it, cook it, present it, lay the table for it, clear up after it. Meals slow things down. Because it's more than refueling, it's about saying, who are we with? I've eagerly desired to eat the Passover meal with you. And Jesus is going on at them in this passage about their tendency to, to, to think individualistically, to think about only themselves, to think about uh, 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 who's the greatest. And no, it's about who can you serve? Who is with me around this table? And we use meals like that. We use meals to slow things down so that we can make a connection. That's why you have a business lunch. It's why you take your date out for a meal. Don't confuse the business lunch for the date out meal. That's different types of meals and different types of approaches. But, but the same idea. Meals force us to slow down so that we connect with those around us. For most families, the meal is that connecting place. Without the meal, the connection quickly disappears. That's part of the disintegration that we're seeing in our culture. Because meals create the connection. Because meals create the connection. Because the meal will be the connection. See how it works? Everything points to something, points to the something. Makes the connection, the power of the meals. So do we express that in our conversation, in our slowing down, in our preparing the meal to create that sense of we are here to connect. It's not just about fast food. It's about saying that a meal is a moment, not just an ongoing sense of time. So typically in our home, if the boys are laying the table, they will naturally think that a pile of knives and forks in the middle of the table is sufficient. Because everyone will have the tools for the task. There are other people in our family who would like the table laid beautifully. Because that's expressing something about what this moment is. This is not a task to grab and go. This is a moment for us to share. The meal connects us. And because the meal connects us, it challenges us. It challenges us about what's going on inside. If you're super grumpy you will be found out at mealtimes. If you're angry and had a bad day, you will be found out at mealtimes. If you're on cloud nine and something brilliant has happened in your day, you will pour that out at mealtimes. That connectedness reveals who we are. And isn't that what happens at the Lord's table? So let a man or woman examine himself. That's what the the letter to the Corinthians is all about. Don't keep eating the the meal without recognizing that it's a moment. And that moment draws out of who you really are. What was hidden, Judas the betrayer, came into the light at a meal table. And so meals are really important for us that we connect, that we're open, that we realize who we are journeying with. Let a man or woman examine him or herself. But it's more, isn't it? Because it's always pointing us forward. We renew our sense of 
fueling, we renew our sense of togetherness, and it builds confidence for the day to come. We renew our sense that God's provision is complete and it renews our confidence for the day to come. And we remember that as we gather around any table, wherever we are, in the name of Jesus, we anticipate that one day there will be this table that we will gather around in the kingdom of heaven. And so our confidence is renewed. And let's remember, though, that the the context of this communion table, in biblical terms, is mostly placed within the home rather than in the church. And it's placed within a feast rather than in a frugal meal. I'm not sure. I I haven't had the time to, to, to look it out. Maybe you know and you can tell me afterwards. But something that was designed as a feast has ended up in almost all our church traditions to be a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of bread. Because you wouldn't have a little teeny weeny bit of wine. I don't know whether that was because we went through a stage when we had no resources and thought this is the only way to do it. But it it, it belittles the image that it was there to create. It was in the midst of the Passover feast, the, the meal they would have spent their most on, that Jesus took bread and drank wine. And so somehow placing the bread and wine in the context of a feast might sometimes be a better place for it. You with me? Because it mimics the messianic, the the heavenly banquet. I don't think when we get there at the end of time, there'll be a tiny little bit of bread and a teeny weeny little glass. There'll be a feast laid out for us. And so we remember that we eat and we drink in that context of the wider feast. And of course, it can't stay there, can it? It can't stay around the table. We need to be ready to go. He talks about Peter going out. And Peter was going to go out and actually disown Jesus. Uh, And we go out from the meal. And the challenge is that through the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine, what do we do, Paul says? We proclaim the Lord's death until what? Until he comes. Until he comes. And so somehow in the eating bread and the drinking of wine, here together, in our homes, in our communities, wherever we break bread and drink wine together, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Refreshed, restored, reconnected, renewed, we go out to live in a new way. So we're going to come to this communion table and we're going to eat bread and we're going to drink wine. And, and I don't know what's uppermost for you. I don't know whether it's that sense of, hey, I, 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 it's, time, it's time for me to be more grateful again for my sense of thanksgiving to, to deepen. I, I don't know whether it's that sense of remembering that in this bread that there is the image, the symbol of God's complete provision for our lives. We, we need him for everything. We know that, don't we? In our heads and sometimes not in our hearts. There's, there's nothing that we can do. Apart from me, you are nothing, Jesus says. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can bear much fruit. I don't know whether it's that sense of the meal helping connect you with those who are around. This is our family. The people that God has given you to journey with through life in all the different contexts where that takes place. These are the people that we eat bread and drink wine with that we slow down so that I can see Christ in you, that you can see Christ in me, that I can see the vulnerabilities in you and pray for you, that you can see the vulnerabilities in me and pray for me, that together we slow down enough to be real in our relationships and in our connecting. And out of that place of honesty, we are renewed and refreshed 
and it builds confidence into the future. We're going to pray together. We're going to give thanks. And maybe just a few of you would like to come and lead us in our prayer of thanks uh, this morning as we give thanks for the bread and the wine, as we give thanks for what our meals, this meal, the meal, symbolizes in our lives. Don't all rush at once. Just come quickly so we can do this now. Maybe just a few of you. Come, just say thank you. Let's pray together.